out of the coal mine. Pastor Mark Drasinski here. It's good to be with you again today. Kind of taking some time this morning reading through some articles I've written for the church over the past few months. I haven't done many uploads, and I figured now is the time to do a couple. Um, I've been nursing a, uh, a, a burst Achilles tendon. For those out there who know my pain, it's interesting how there is not much pain with that uh, little story here. I was out on the soccer field with my second grader, and uh, oh, the parents were invited to scrimmage a bit with the kids, and it's the first practice of the season. So I thought I'd get out there and, you know, I'm, I'm not 20 anymore, but it's hard to remember that you're not 20. So I went out with the, the kids and I was running hard, kicking the soccer ball and I went to steal the ball and I felt like some kid kicked me in the back of the heel and I've, I've never been kicked that hard before. I'm like, what in the world? How could a second grader kick me like that? It dropped me to the ground. I felt like I was going to faint. I'm like, oh, just get yourself together, get off the field. And so I uh, stood up and I limped uh, in pain off the field. I'm just like, man, how could a second grader kick me like that? Amazing. I mean, that kid is amazingly strong. Superhero strength it would have to be, right? So um, I ended up going to the doctor and I told told the doctor the story and she just laughed and she's like, nobody kicked you. She goes, that's what everybody says. When the when your Achilles tendon bursts, it feels like you've been kicked or, or you've been hit by something. And she said people sometimes will like, you know, turn around and like, who kicked me? And nobody's there. So that's been the repair. I've been nursing a, a heel. It's been good for me um, in the sense it's uh, it's not convenient. It's very inconvenient actually uh, getting around, but uh, it's actually showed me how unempathetic I am. Been in ministry for a lot of years. I thought I was full of empathy. Turns out, you know, maybe not as much as I thought. Uh, my, my typical mode of operation when somebody gets hurt is, uh, you know, visit, see how they're doing and then yeah, get better. Come on, get better now. And there I sat in my chair thinking, is this what, you know, people I know have gone through with their feet? Like, man, uh, so it's been good for me showing me how unempathetic I am and areas I need to work on and producing patience in me. So praise God, uh, for the good, the bad and the ugly, right? He's at work in us. Finishing what he started, and it looks like different things at different times. And I've heard many preachers say, you know, it's in the tough moments uh, that we give God praise, right? That's when we see our dependence upon him. That's when we pray. If everything was easy all the time, we wouldn't know our need of God. So praise God for these moments as well. Uh, And I say that also reminding myself, um, yeah, in this time of a knee scooter and waiting for healing. So there I am. The article I'm going to read uh, today that I wrote a few months ago for our church is called PBS and the Mind of Christ. Just generically, you know, any kind of TV show you want to label there, all the propaganda we get from the media, from the world. Um, Anyway, so another one of those commercials popped up on TV the other day while watching with my youngest daughter. And uh, that commercial, when it aired, she looked at me concerned and said, Dad, I know what happened on that commercial is sin according to scripture, but I don't feel myself shocked by it anymore. So I looked at her and I said, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, that, that you don't, you don't feel turned. I mean, you're 12 years old and you know, you know what sin is and you know what the commercial's presenting, but you also know that you don't feel shocked by this commercial anymore. What's happening? She said, I felt my stomach push back a bit the first time I saw the commercial, but it doesn't anymore. And she asked, why is that? And I told her, well, that's desensitization, right? So that's the goal often of uh, these commercials, you know, the propaganda coming out of Hollywood and the media, so forth. I told her the objective is to get you comfortable with the ways of the world and the direction of the morality of the world um, and not, not the ways of Christ, right? So, yeah. It's it just to desensitize you. The more you see it, the more you're comfortable with it, the more you think it's okay, and ultimately, the more you think scripture is wrong. And so you have to know what's going on, even in your own 
mind, right? And she she understood that. Um, and it reminded me of Israel. Uh, I told her it's a lot like Israel, in fact, when they were forbidden to make offerings and to worship foreign gods in the places that God took them, some would still do it. They'd worship false gods, and soon it just became normal for many of them. It just became the way it was. We, we're going to offer to these false gods, and this is just this, this is just what life is. She understood that, uh, you know, Israel, like us, they got comfortable with the false gods and false religions around them, and they incorporated them into their uh, faith little by little until God pulled them out again and refocused them on his ways. I reminded my daughter that there is a battle for the heart and the mind going on right now in our nation and in the world, one that's been going on since the beginning. It began with the words of Satan to Adam and Eve when he tempted them with the words, did God really say? So that was the temptation. Satan gave Eve in the garden. Did God really say? That's the same question we get every day. Did God really say? And our answer should be, well, let's see. Let me, let me go look. Let me see what God said. So I asked her, how are we as Christians to be in the world but not of the world with commercials like this trying to reshape our minds, to reshape the world, to reshape the culture? How do we, how do we instead be shaped by Christ while being in the world where he's placed us? She was quiet for a bit and then asked, well, how do we do that? So I quoted Romans 12 too. A verse needed for all times included the times we're living in. Romans 12 too is this, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we have to understand that all people, all men and women are made in the image of God and we all know that God exists. There's seems like there's really no debate on that even anymore. In our weird times, people aren't debating the existence of God. Um, however, for those who suppress that knowledge of God, Romans 1, they will seek the things of God minus God's economy that makes them true, that makes things good, that makes things beautiful. It's God who does that, that makes things good, beautiful, and true. Instead, a godless morality, a godless justice, um, will be shaped and pursued by those who reject God with no framework uh, except a merely changing framework by what seems right in their own eyes in the moment and which could change tomorrow. Ultimately, it's a direction led by the prince of the power of the air who stands against Christ and seeks to lead away as many as he can from the church. But God won't be mocked. He sits in the heavens. He laughs at the attempts the world makes. He's God. He'll pull us back. So what do we do? Well, first we acknowledge the reality of the situation we're in. And instead of soaking our minds and hearts in the direction of the world, we instead soak our minds and hearts in the ways of God given to us in the Bible. If propaganda works in the culture to move and shape it, the word of God is the antidote. Through the hearing of the word preached, in reading the Bible, and in focusing on and applying it to our lives, we will renew our minds in the direction that God would have us go. And suddenly we see justice as God has given it and defined it. We see morality, but the way that God has set up the system to work, which includes right and wrong and good and bad. We see all the terms the world is trying to seek to divide and separate and cancel by, But we see them with God, which instead brings life, truth, beauty, goodness to us and to our neighbors. James reminds us in James 4, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Jesus told us in Matthew 15, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So church, don't lose, excuse me, don't lose your saltiness to a TV commercial. 
Don't lose your light to a dark, shifting, sand ideology presented to you in the world. Church, don't be conformed to the world. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, it's good to be with you again today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Out of the coal mine. <laughs>